Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the wave swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Good morning and welcome to Portsmouth Church Online again. In thank you so much to William and Henry who made that clip that we've just seen. It was really excellent work. In the story we've just read, Jesus' friends are really scared. They thought they were going to die. We might not be in that same situation today, but we all know what it is to be scared. When I was about 10 or 11, I was riding my pony through a field we decided that we would let our horses have a really good run. The only problem was that my pony thought that that meant that he could go as fast as his little legs could carry him. And I was utterly terrified. I wonder about you, what are you scared of? It might be going to school because um, you're having difficulty with friends. It might be standing up in front of people to give a presentation. It might be that you have to take a test, or you have a new job, or you're facing an illness. When we initially feel fear, our bodies go into overdrive. It can be difficult to think, and it's easy to think that this situation is a bit hopeless. The situation progresses, we begin to act. How can I stop this, make it better? We battle our fears, and we forget to ask family and friends for help. When my horse was running away from me, I pulled on the reins as hard as I possibly could, but nothing I did would stop him. The disciples in the boat pulled on the oars. They got their buckets out to chuck water from the boat, but the storm did not stop. They couldn't control it, and they were utterly terrified. After this had gone on for a while, and it was clear that they weren't actually going to defeat the storm. Like us, they remembered Jesus. Jesus is fast asleep, totally exhausted, but also he's really peaceful. He knows that his life is not in the hands of people or weather or sickness. He's totally at peace in the storm. The disciples wake him. Don't you care if we die? They were dealing with stuff. When we're dealing with stuff in our lives, we often want others to notice, to pick up perhaps on our invisible clues, and we blame them when they didn't realise we were struggling. Don't you care about me, you think, or even say. We too, like the disciples, can throw this accusation at Jesus. Don't you care? 
It was at this moment that the disciples, in their fear, had forgotten who Jesus is. He had healed the incurable. He delivered those tormented in their minds, cured people with a word from miles and miles away, and defeated the ultimate enemy, death, by raising the widow's son from the dead. This man in their boat has authority over illness and even death. And he stands up and he asks them the oddest question. Why are you afraid? It's pretty obvious, I'd say. There's a storm raging. Jesus, in these words, speaks to us too. Why are you afraid? You know, we can tell Jesus anything. We can chew his ear off for hours about what's bothering us or driving us to distraction or keeping us from sleep and destroying our joy. Jesus does care. We know he cares because he came as a human being, as a baby, vulnerable. He took on flesh and lived as a human being and experienced all that we experience. And he died on a cross and he rose again so that death, the final enemy is defeated forever. During this virus, there are posts flying around on Facebook and websites and WhatsApp of people testifying to Jesus being in the middle of this storm, of their storm. We've had one in our church, a lady who was diagnosed with cancer, who in this storm cried out together with us, the community, for healing and for help from the one who can. And he did. She is completely healed. I watched a post of a man the other day um, who had coronavirus. He was on a ward, isolated and really struggling. And he asked the Lord for some encouragement. The next day, a man came in to clean his room and they got chatting. And it turns out he was a believer. And he was able to pray with him and encourage him. The next day, the man felt a little bit better. And cheekily, as we sometimes do, although it's not really, he asked God, oh, I would really like a packet of prawn cocktail crisps and a can of Coke. And guess what? The very next day, that same man appeared with a shopping bag with a can of Coke and a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. What do these stories show us? They show us what this passage shows us, that Jesus is always present, even in our most fearful moments. The disciples were so wrapped up in the storm, they'd forgotten the one who could fight the storm, the one who really could help. And how often do we find ourselves fighting our fears and only when we've done everything we can do we remember Jesus, Jesus is with us. This morning, I'd like the kids to make a boat and you can make it out of furniture or items from the recycling bin or Lego. If you're up for a challenge, then see if you can make a boat out of one sheet of A4 paper that will float with an egg inside it. As you build your boats, I want you to try and think about things that you're worried about or things that other people might be worried about and then pray that they and you would know Jesus with them. 
if you like writing, why not write a prayer? And I'd love to read it out at House of Prayer this week coming. So, let's continue to ponder that image of Jesus in our boat, with us in the storm. He may not calm the storm immediately, but he might. Or he might take forever to act and you might be saying, don't you care? Or worse still, our ships might actually go down. But in all these scenarios, Jesus remains with us. He remains Lord and he will never leave us and promises he will be with us forever. Hi again. Hopefully by now the boats are underway. I really love the song we've just sang, Faithful One. It was a real favourite in Portswood during the late 1990s and I seem to remember we sort of sang it every week. The words are amazing. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. And how appropriate is that for today? When we sing songs together, we're declaring truths to ourselves and others, even if we don't always feel it. It's a reminder to us of who God is, and it's telling our souls to wake up and put their trust in God. Similar to us in ancient Israel, they sang songs, which we know as Psalms in the Bible. The following Psalm reminds us that it is in God we find help and confidence when all around is being shaken. The Psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 46, so if you've got a Bible to hand, you want to open it now. The psalm splits into three handy parts. One, God is the one we run to in times of trouble. Two, God is the one who sustains us in trouble. And three, one is the one, God is the one who will resolve our trouble. So firstly, let's look at God is the one we run to in times of trouble. In normal times, we rely on our jobs, to give us freedom and our stuff to entertain us and insurance to give us security. But in these unprecedented times, we know that sometimes these don't help us. We're facing a very real storm. We are struggling to defeat or escape from. Like the disciples in the boat, we can feel totally out of control. And we'll all react really differently, of course, I want you now to imagine that you are in that boat that um, Jesus was in. And some of us are looking to gain a measure of control or certainty. We're asking questions like, why didn't anyone check the weather before we set off? Or why is it that we have insufficient sails for this type of storm? And you know who you are. Some of us are running ourselves to exhaustion. We want to be the person who's holding all the ropes in the boat so that others can have a rest. And at the same time, we're feeling guilty, but that's just not possible. Some of us are taking a very assertive approach. Hey guys, this is the situation. Ideas, people, come on, how can we manage this? And then there's others who are perhaps standing on the edge of the boat, staring into the sea, and writing melancholic poetry about how lovely the sea was before the storm, or perhaps how lovely it will be after the storm. 
Some of us have been on our phones rapidly researching everything to do with storms and we now know more about the weather than the meteorological experts of the world put together. And others of you, and you know who you are, are climbing the rigging, wondering if it might be indeed possible to jump in and swim to the shore and getting really cross about the fact that the others are instructing you that under no circumstances should you leave the boat. I'm sure you'll get my analogy for the situation we're in today. For all of us, there isn't obviously a right or wrong answer. We just react differently. But we have a God who deals with individuals and is really able to help us in whatever storm we face. So let's begin looking at Psalm 46 and we're going to read verses 1 and 2 together now. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. We've already thought about this earlier, but it's worth reminding ourselves that God is the one who is the true place of safety. He holds the power we need, and it is the safest place for us to be. He never leaves us, and as it says here in the passage, he is ever present. That Greek phrase can mean to hand, and it makes me think of the way that Jesus was in the boat, to hand. Therefore, we don't need to fear. Though everything around us has changed, though the earth has been shaken, global financial giants have perhaps collapsed, we will not fear. Secondly, it is God who's the one who sustains us in the storm. So let's read verses four and five together. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Rivers in the Bible symbolize a source of life and growth and health. Psalm 1 verse 3 tells us that those who walk in God's ways are like trees planted by a river and they yield fruit and prosper in whatever they do. In John's Gospel we read the words of Jesus, I let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me will have streams of living water flow from within by which he meant the spirit. I'm struck by the picture of the river here. The river we can access in times of difficulty is of course the Holy Spirit, ever present and close at hand. He's the comforter, the counsellor, our teacher. He's the way that God is with us in the boat, in all storms, fully present. The spirit flows within us and enables us to stand firm, to not fail or be moved. Knowing God will help us, as it says, at the break of day. Or another way of expressing this is found in that song, morning by morning, new mercies I see. So, God is the one we run to in times of trouble 
God is the one who will sustain us in times of trouble. And finally, God is the one who will resolve the trouble. So let's read verse 6. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The God who created the whole earth out of chaos, he holds it in the palm of his hand, shakes creation with his voice. And just as it was formed, it can so easily melt away. We, we read here and understand that the only safe place we can be is in Jesus. He is a stronghold, unshakable, our fortress. In verse 8, the psalmist cries these words. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. In the storms, we can often be focused on calming them, as we've said, and calming ourselves, or managing them, or dreaming about times before or after them. And we forget to see what God is doing in them. Remember, God is always present in the earth. He is, as Jesus says, always at work. He is the one able to use our troubles and storms, both individually and globally, for his own purposes. So we wonder, what might he be doing now in his church? Are we listening? Are we watching? Or are we simply trying to control or flee? In the psalm, we're reminded that God's ultimate plan is to bring peace. And we read that in verse 9. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Jesus, we read, is the Prince of Peace. He is that in all circumstances, even ones like this. He is always working for peace. And recently, I've been trying to focus on good news rather than sad. I've seen young men move in with their grandmothers to care for them. I've seen teenagers give up their devices to enable their families to stay in touch. I've seen communities gather together to feed and care for those in most need. I've seen businesses give away gas bottles and caravans to, for free to NHS staff who can't or don't want to go home to their families because they might infect them. And the other day on the, on the news, I saw this great story about gangs in Cape Town who normally drill in drugs. They've put down their weapons and called a ceasefire. And instead of distributing drugs, they're distributing food now to those most vulnerable. It takes something bigger than us sometimes to stop us fighting. So what is God doing in these times? The only way we'll know is to look and to listen. The psalm ends with verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Often when we feel stressed, um, we feel it in our shoulders or our jaw. In verse 10, we're told actually to relax our hands. That's what be still can mean. As we grip on and try to control or hold on to things that have slipped or are slipping away from us, 
We hold tighter and tighter. But God commands us in this psalm to let it up, to let go, to relax our hands and abandon ourselves to him. <clears throat> he wants us to see what he is doing, <clears throat> to step aside and understand that he is God, not us. God is doing in this current crisis, and we are certainly invited to partner with him. But it is still his earth and he who will be exalted. Finally, verse 11, we finish with. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So we know that God is with us. I struck by these words from Deuteronomy, chapter 4 and verse 7. Israel declares, For what nation is so great as to have a God as near to them as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call on him? And I say to us today, what people, what church, what community is so great to have a God as near to them as the Lord our God. So we're going to sing again now as we reflect on God with us and his invitation to be still. Church, remember that God is the one we can run to. God is the one who will sustain us and God is the one who will resolve this trouble as we are still and know that he is God. <clears throat>